Hello, and welcome to the Robert A. Heinlein Book Club. And in this episode, uh, we'll talk about Space Jockey. So this sort of ends a um, a series, in a way, of, of what I consider really excellent stories uh, published in 1947 by Heinlein in the science fiction genre. There's three more stories that I'll cover. Well, at least two. Water is for washing. I haven't actually been able to find a copy of um, so I'll, I'll dig around and try to find that. If I can't, I think that's that's kind of a minor work. It's not really that significant. So it's probably skippable. But we got Do It With Mirrors, which is kind of uh, some military fiction. and um, But he kind of says it's based on a true story and no band... Uh, oh, sorry, that's no band playing. And then Do It With Mirrors is like a mystery novel. So they're like outside the genre that we're normally associate Heinlein with. Um, so, um, and that will wrap up 1947. And then as we move forward, there's going to be fewer and fewer short stories and more and more novels are just going to read. Um, there's a few in 1948 and 49. There's a handful. So we're not quite uh, done with the bulk of them. But, but yeah, there's definitely fewer short stories ahead than behind us, um, which should put us in kind of a different groove going forward. I don't know. The... Um, you know, like a like a novel a week sounds like a good good plan going forward as we as we uh, kind of work our way through. We're not quite halfway through this series, but but we sort of are. It depends how many episodes I do with each uh, novel coming forward. But anyways, uh, so as I said, uh, Space Jockey is uh, part of this series with. Uh, well, well, Jerry was a man doesn't quite fit into that very well, but the Green Hills of Earth, It's Great to Be Back, and Columbus Was a Dope, which are all in the Future History series. Um, I think Columbus Was a Dope is, is intended to be, but the others clearly are in the Future History series. They were, um, they're published in, um, at least a couple of these, a handful of these, including Space Jockey, were published in uh, the Saturday Evening Post. Um which I guess that's when Heinlein really got to cash in a little bit. Um, this was They're all collected in the Green Hills of Earth, which is uh, uh, where these stories kind of are, are grouped together in their short story anthology. Um, again, something that's worth considering and thinking about is how these works were grouped together in the anthologies. It, it's kind of annoying. We just don't have like a, a very accessible, like five volume collected stories of, of Heinlein like we do with Philip Dick. Um, or or Lovecraft for that matter, you, you kind of got to bounce around to, to to find all the stories and there's stuff that haven't been republished very much or in more obscure um, journals. I think that's the problem with waters for washing. Why why I can't find it. But anyways, now this story um, it's it's thematically parallel to some of these other stories in that it's dealing with that that transitional space between earth and and like the that first gen those first generations of, of of man in space right so green hills of earth we we had the the poet uh space wanderer the poet laureate of of space travel columbus was the dope was was about humans on the moon uh beginning to venture up beyond that 
Uh, it's Great to Be Back is like Green Hills of Earth about nostalgia for uh, and the failure of that nostalgia. And, and Space Jockey kind of spins it and looks at it the other way. Um, now, I do want to say that this story is uh, kind of quaint. And from what we know about the trajectory of like, uh, of like business culture in, in this country and increasingly around the world, the story's actually got it backwards. So um, essentially what we have here in Space Jockey is uh, a space Uber driver. Uh, basically someone working in gig, in the gig economy, you know, taking trips to the moon, to Luna City, when he gets jobs, right? He's, he's overworked. He's, uh, he's this, this rocket pilot. He has to take these passenger trips and other, uh, and other voyages. But he's basically a... Um, yeah, he's, he's kind of like a gig worker. And then at the end of the story, due to what he achieves over the course of the story, basically saving a, 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 a trip, a voyage, and, and showing what an expert he is, he gets promoted and becomes a full-time salaried worker uh, based in, in the moon, on the, in the moon, on the moon, in the moon, uh, at Luna City. And he can bring his wife with them, and and they can become the future protagonists of "It's Great to Be Back," maybe you know, in twenty years or something. Um, and why I say this backwards is, as we know that we've gone the other way, right, from the time of Heinlein, where people tended to get jobs that were lifelong, or at least you had a permanent employment, and you can make a career out of those those professions, and and raise a family and support them, and there was a bit of stability in those jobs, uh, still as exploitative as any job under capitalism, but you know, it was, there was a future for you in these kinds of, of professions um, in, in the company. You could move your way up even, right? And we've moved increasingly towards the gig economy for our people. Like we're seeing this, that's a big reason why we have this Hollywood strike right now is, is the efforts of the producers to, to make writing and even acting increasingly a gig economy, right? Uh, a, a gig job where you go and you, they capture your face and then, you know, use AI to reproduce it or, uh, you know, get you to write a story and then have the AI rework it so you don't get the full writing credits. You know, you know the issues involved in that strike, of course. And it's and then you got the much uh, more day-to-day and widespread gig economy of like the Uber Eats, uh, Uber itself, uh, DoorDash, um, and then a lot of people just working these these kind of non-contract, non non-employee jobs where they're they're basically, um, I guess they're contractors, right? That's the that's what they'd be professionally, but they, they don't have contracts with their employer that provides a permanent steady income and benefits and promotion opportunities and, and yearly raises and vacation and all those things that you take for granted, right? Um, so if Heinlein was a little more predictive of where the future would go, you know, it's actually would be the other way around. And I, and I think that from our perspective would make a more appealing and interesting story is where someone is, got, has the good salaried profession, but then gets like uh, gigified and, and becomes what the character is at the beginning of the, of the story. So that's, that's my overall thoughts on, on, on the significance of this tale. It's, it's super optimistic, but of course that's feeding off of the, the employment, the work culture of the post-war America. Uh, and it's not surprising that Heinlein essentially uh, sees that as 
you know the way you know sees it as a predictable future right um but i i mean i think the signs are that to some degree if we do get into space which which i don't think is likely in our lifetimes or even in the more distant future um maybe some human presence but but not anything like we see in science fiction uh it would be gigafied um at least unless there's a dramatic change in the relationship between labor and capital on earth right um in uh, kim stanley robinson enters the chat here right to to uh comment on this like in the in the red mars trilogy which is all about this very question so uh essentially we have two plots here one is the husband wife relationship where our uh hero our, our space jockey is living this he's basically being taken advantage of because of his love of piloting his love of, and i think that isn't it the case today with a lot of just pilots where you know they're not paid as great as you might think uh they have to work long hours um extended periods away from home all that stuff cleaning up diarrhea dealing with all those kinds of things uh but um but they're exploited because they like to fly right because they like to fly it's the same way i think a lot of teachers right feel it's like they love teaching they they love the job they love developing curriculum they love engaging with the kids i love that stuff but you know at the end of the day you always feel like yeah you're you're being overworked and underpaid for this um at least they haven't totally gigafied teaching yet but I, i'm sure they'll find a way uh, they have in higher ed so it's just a matter of time before they figure it out for other levels um so he's being taken advantage of that's the point uh and the wife's not happy because he's gone he, he doesn't know when he's gonna get a call and has to go to work and you know he'll be gone for a couple of weeks it's it's not a good family situation for him uh the wife's very unhappy so um but he gets a call um, and that kind of enters into the second plot of the story um but just to wrap up the first plot it after the events of the story he basically gets offered the full-time job in based in luna city where he'll have like regular hours regular hours higher pay more respect and and enough income to like settle down in luna city and become a settler right so that's the story here is like someone who's going to space when he needs jobs actually be, being able to become a settler in luna city all right so he's able to make that transition in a way that our other care well i guess the characters in it's great to be back were settled on luna city maybe i should have read the story first or talked about the story first then do it's great to be back but it's it you know it, we're we're seeing kind of the earlier stage of that and it's very different from green hills of earth where you have someone kind of constantly longing for earth but also loving the spaceways and loving being a wandering hobo um in space the blind uh, troubadour of 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 the of of space of the solar system okay so that's the interesting part of the story the plot of self is not that interesting it, in comparison it's basically uh he he saves the day he sullies it uh on a on a tr rocket ship to the moon um basically it's because uh a kid a, a brat an annoying kid in the on the sh on the ship it's a passenger trip uh basically kind of comes to the, 
the cockpit and starts like banging on the controls, messing things up, and the rocket is is set in a different direction. And then you almost have like a, a, a cold equation situation, not quite as, as bleak as, as that story, but you have a cold equation kind of situation where you have to either, um, like you have to get rid of some cargo or, which of course is a lot where the profit for the ship is coming from. So the, the, the rocket's gonna have to take a loss if he does that. But the alternative is, is the death of the passengers. So he makes the correct decision, despite this. The boss is saying, "You gotta, you gotta, you gotta save the cargo or whatever." And he's like, "Well, it can't be done." He is, and he saves the ship, but he has to like lose the the cargo, and obviously this rocket trip will be a loss for the company. But that's the price you pay for doing the right thing, all right? So he's the good pilot who does his job um, properly and gets rewarded for it. And that's where the story really is enter going from science fiction to total fantasy because uh, this doesn't actually happen in, in, in our economy. So that is the basic of Space Jockey. Is it worth reading? I think all these stories are worth reading. I think this is maybe my least favorite of this group, but I still like it quite a lot, especially the the, the kind of frame aspect of the story. The, the, this person essentially an uber driver for uh you know a, a subcontractor uh, for for this company finally gets to move to move to the moon and become a get the job he always wanted with the respect he deserves again total fantasy total fantasy but uh it's 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 how heinlein sees the world right he's, he's still seeing space largely through the eyes of someone living in post World War II America. Um, and I think that's the case in a lot of what's coming up. Um, and in fact, I, I think we got to start talking about this more. I, I checked out a book, uh, which is like the Oxford History of the United States volume on post-war uh, America, basically 1945 to the 70s. Um, Grand Expectations, it's called. Um, and that's a great series of books, by the way, the Oxford History. Uh, it's not quite done. I think the colonial history is not done and the the 1920s, uh, early 20th century volumes not done, but uh, hopefully they'll be out at some point. Um, but I really want to like think more about post-war America. Of course, I, I have broad strokes and I have what I, I, I know about that. I know, I know enough, but I'd like to get a little more detail just about the, the culture, the, the class arrangement, the material conditions, all that of post-war America as we as we get closer and closer to these novels, especially the juveniles, which are so rife with the ideology of optimistic grand expectations America. Um, I think all these stories seem to be in that in that in that with that attitude, right? So anyways, um, that's it for Space Jockey, I think think um so next we'll do uh i think we'll do no band plane and water is for washing if i can find it I, I may just say a few words about it i'm the best i might i might just find a summary of it and maybe I, that's all i can do and then we'll do do it with mirrors so two more episodes before we get to space cadet and enter into 1948 um so i'm looking forward to that i've been reading space cadet a little bit very slowly um because i've been very busy with other things uh work uh slave narratives and stuff like that but um that's okay i'm, I'm probably going to slow down the podcast 
for a while. It might lead me to maybe doing some of these juveniles as one-off episodes rather than breaking them up just so we can kind of progress our way through this this book club. Um, kind of take what I would have talked about in two episodes and just put it into one longer episode. Um, just because my, my life is, it's not bad, but I've works, works actually, in a, I'm in a good place with work, I think, with this, the school I'm teaching at. Pretty happy with how things are going. Uh, but it also means, because they're, they're, they're kind of as a transformation in the culture about standards and about how teaching is done. Um, but there's a lot of like work that needs to be done on curriculum development. And, and I've kind of informally been, been given a lot of work in that regard. So um, didn't get a promotion I wanted, but I got, I got the work associated with the promotion, unfortunately. But why, why do this? I'm being exploited because I, I like the job and I, I like developing curriculum, I suppose. Um, but also, you know, I may be here for six more years. So I want, I want it to be a good school, right? Um, and, and so I see it as a down payment on a happier life going forward at, at my work. But again, yeah, I'm, I'm totally being taken advantage of. I should quite quit, but it's not quite in me yet. So anyways, that's um, coming up. So um, yeah, in a few short weeks, we'll be looking at Space Cadet. A few more stories after that, then Red Planet. And then, then it's going to be very, very uh, novel after novel. Um, with, with a few interludes for short stories. Super exciting. Great stuff. Um, and I will be reading um, some more history of the, of the 1950s to contextualize some of this stuff a little bit better. So uh, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. If you have any thoughts or advice or comments, uh, let me know. And I will see you next time. <laughs>